there and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 22 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Sue Innigenberg. I think I've said it correctly. Um, and we have a phenomenal conversation about expectations and burnout. And um, there's a, I'll put a link into the, the show notes of a book that she has written um, with a co-author, Robin, and uh, just a book that Heather, my wife, recommended to me to read. Specifically, the book focuses on women and the expectations that women have going in, but as a husband, and honestly, there was great practical points for me. But we talk about some of the, the things that um, maybe women going into uh, missions um, and going overseas, some of the things they might confront that might be different than men. Um, sexual harassment is something as a guy, I, I normally go out and run three or four times a week. And um, being sexually harassed is not something that, you know, has really ever crossed my mind is me personally. But we unpack the conversation of what that looks like from a, from a woman coming from, from the United States or a different culture where that's not acceptable than living in a culture where it is tolerated. And I'm not saying it's acceptable, but it's tolerated. And so um, she uh, just has a great conversation with Sue. She comes with a lot of years of experience of living on the field, continues to live on the field, and um, just some great wisdom and insight that was valuable for me as as a husband. And um, uh, this podcast, uh, this episode specifically is dedicated um, for expectations and burnout, specifically for women, but I think it's valuable for men and women. And I really appreciate Sue giving her time to be on the podcast and for allowing us to learn from her. I appreciate that the the book was based on data. She knows she did research um, and how she put that together. And um, just provides a great, valuable resource for anyone that's living um, overseas. And then maybe somebody that is is trying to understand what it means for a female to live overseas. Um, the great, uh, great book. And uh, just this is a phenomenal resource. And like I said, I'll put that in the show notes. Do want to ask you to continue to send in questions for Back Channel with Foth. And that's where I sit down with Dick Foth and answer list, listeners' questions. Listeners send them in. I curate them. And Dick, uh, he, as always, provides wisdom and insight for those. Do want to encourage you also to... Um, continue to subscribe to the podcast. Um, I know the podcasts that I listen to are the ones I subscribe to. That way I have it ready to go on Monday morning and know how what I'm going to be listening to it throughout the week. do want to thank our, our sponsor for today's episode, which is Central Assembly of God and Pastor Doug Seaman in Cumberland, Maryland. Caring for each person, connecting each story, and celebrating each miracle. Well, there's no time better than now to get started, so here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with uh, a new friend, Sue Ennegenberg. Um, we try. I hope I said her name correctly because I practiced it just a little bit before we got started. <laughs> Sounds Sue, good. Sue, so excited to have um, you on the podcast. Would you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself uh, for the audience? Yeah, my husband Don and I have been involved in cross-cultural ministry for Actually, this year we celebrate 35 years, wow. and we've served in the Middle East. We worked at our U.S. Mobilization Center. We've served in South Asia and currently are in Europe. Uh, we have four kids who are all grown up and married, and we have the most amazing 12 grandchildren. Wow. Good deal. Good deal. Exciting time in life being a grandparent, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things about getting older. <laughs> Good deal. Well, well, Sue, my wife um, read your book, and then she said you need to read this book. And so then I read that read the book, um, "Burnout and Expectations: Women Surviving the Great Commission." 
Um, I, I valued the book a lot. Um, I'm a, a scientist by heart and I love the research you did for the book. Uh, can you just share um, some of the reasons maybe why you chose to research this and um, yeah, and to specifically focus on women? Yeah, um, it actually was from my own experience. and I didn't even realize I had these expectations at the time, but becoming a cross-cultural worker, I... I just kind of assumed adding that role to who I am and what I was going to do. I thought something, you know, maybe magical would happen to me on the airplane on the way overseas. And I really did expect to be like a Billy Graham, James Dobson and Betty Crocker all rolled into one (laughs) without understanding that I was none of those things, even one of those when I was in the U.S. But these expectations that I had that now that I was going to be serving overseas, they just kind of soared and were very unrealistic. And, you know, as years go by and you're, I'm interacting with other people, I realize that, you know, I'm not alone in that. I'm not the only one who arrives overseas with unrealistic expectations. And sometimes I think we get unrealistic expectations and vision hmm. confused because what I thought I had was vision Hmm. But, you know, looking back, it was really more self-focused ambitions and expectations of what I thought I should be able to do. And so seeing burnout occur and talking with other people, I just began to wonder, you know, is there a connection between expectations and burnout? And one of the reasons I focused on women is in our organization, I was the director of women's ministry at the time, and I just saw the need for more resources for women, specifically geared for them. And and that's one of my favorite things to do is to develop resources and um, specifically for women because I have a heart for them because I'm one of them. Um, But even though the research is based on women and their responses, there's some really good applications for both genders. Um, There's a guy in our organization who who wanted to read it, but he felt a little weird because the subtitle is Women in Cross-Cultural Ministry. And so he just took a little post-it note and covered the W.O. And and it's like men in cross-cultural ministry. So he felt much better reading it then. Yeah. Well, and and as I shared, I read the book and um, it was a lot of... A lot of life lessons for me as I, I read through it, and I agree with you 100. percent The focus is is for females, um, and, and at the same time, there's lots of lessons specifically for husbands. Um, mm. For me to 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 understand a, a perspective, obviously, my wife, we've had discussions, but just to to see your research and to, mm-hmm. to open some things up for me that I maybe had not not really considered. Um, one of the things that really jumped out as I read. Um, is you say there, there's certain stressors and um, that are more relevant relevant to women. And one of the things you you mentioned was the idea of um, sexual harassment, and uh, yeah, that, that one jumped out to me. Can you can you share how that impacts a, a female um, working overseas? Yeah, I I think that women can expect, and this is to assume something without knowing it. Right, we just expect that the respect that we're offered in our home country is going to be there in the host country. And I'm pretty sure that I heard about harassment and pre-field training, but you know, at the time it was theoretical and I didn't realize how relentless harassment could be in some places. And you learn to expect 
disrespect or unwanted touching. And you have to prepare yourself to kind of go out in public because you, you can do all you can to prevent it, but you can't eliminate it. And if you're in most like in the Western world, if something happens, you have recourse, you have uh, you can go to the police, you can have some way of addressing what happened and how wrong it was. And sometimes in um, the places where we work, there isn't that kind of recourse that you can expect. And one of the difficulties is in trying to help women to prevent it as much as possible when it happens. You know, a teammate might ask, well, what were you wearing? Where were you sitting? What did you say? And mm. sometimes in trying to prevent it, you feel like you're the one at fault, right? Which adds a whole different layer of stress in that because it, it isn't our fault. You can do everything right, you know, according to that culture and still face harassment. So it's just being aware of what our teammates experience, especially men on a team and just being on guard and aware that sometimes these unbiblical values can slip in and to make sure that our teams are safe places, they're havens, they're places where women can process what's been happening and how they felt and, and get support in that. Wow. That's yeah. You know, I, I, we lived in Madagascar for 14 years and I, I would go out for a run, you know, I'd run in the mornings and, you know, mm-hmm. it was never comments made or anything to me. Um, you know, I'm a guy that it was smelly clothes running down the road. Um, but you know, my wife, she, so she would go out, you know, immediately there was comments made. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that is a, as you said, in, in, in the country, U.S., you know, there's recourse, but in, mm-hmm. in the culture there, it was people kind of giggled and laughed about it. And um, and it's in it. But it was you know very hurtful for females in that cult, you know, for for missionary wives to have that. So anyway, it's it's yeah, yeah I really appreciated you the courage to address it, to bring it up. And for me, it challenged me as a husband and as a father and uh, mm-hmm. as a leader um, to, as you said, make sure that a team is a safe place and mm-hmm. um, just gave me some action steps to take. So I really appreciated it very, very much. Yeah. One of the things you you shared um, in the book that is, is times um, missionaries have self self expectations that are too high. Um, what are some of the, self-expectations that you've seen over you shared your many years of service that you've seen maybe specific um, in the life of a female that um, that some of those self-expectations that are too high and then how does that how does that impact someone and then that relationship relation to um, burnout Mm -hmm. Um, I think missionary biographies are great to read I've really enjoyed reading them but sometimes uh, they give a an impression that, oh, this is what I need to be like. Um, And I'm not Amy Carmichael. I'm not Elizabeth Elliot. Um, So God makes each of us individually and uniquely. But sometimes when we read these biographies, it's just like this, this is what I need to be like. So I think that's a source of where we um, can get these really high expectations. So just, you know, I'm going to be more prayerful, Um, more spiritual, more fruitful. Language can't be that hard. Uh, I was studying Arabic and on my very first test, I missed every single question. And I just remember the, okay, this is going to take work. (laughs) I'm going to have to study really hard in this. Um, 
you kind of expect the host culture to welcome you. And sometimes it's not a welcoming place. And, you know, you expect like that for a team that I'm going to be a, a, you know, a good part of this team and we're going to have good relationships and, you know, just all of these expectations that you're, you're not even aware of. That's the thing. You know, I don't know how often we sit and really think through what our expectations are. And then when I arrive overseas and all of a sudden, you know, having my quiet time is even more of a challenge than it was in my home country. It, it's disconcerting because I thought it would be easier because I'm a missionary now and this is what missionaries do. And so I think some of the impact of having these expectations is that we get discouraged. We have this picture of what it's going to be like. And then the reality is so much harder than what we thought it was going to be. And so I just remember thinking, you know, I'm really not cut out for this. Um, I can't tell you how many times I thought, you know, it'd be better if I just went back home and God would send somebody who knows what they're doing, you know, to this country and just this um, sense of discouragement, disillusionment. And sometimes we think, well, if I just work harder, you know, if I just work longer, I'm going to be as fruitful as I thought I was going to be, which of course um, leads ourselves open to burnout. And we do need to work hard. We do need to be prayerful and we do seek to be spiritual, but to recognize that, you know, God does a lot of work in us. Um, and then he work, does things through us. But sometimes I think I thought he should work through me before he worked in me. <laughs> so kind of dealing with those kind of things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, how do you define uh, burnout? We've I mentioned that it's in the title, but what when we talk about burnout, what does that what does that look like on the field? Yeah, it's like an emotional and physical exhaustion, hmm. just a chronic tiredness. And I think, you know, burnout, it could be something, a term that we use when we're really just feeling stressed out. You know, we at cross-cultural workers, we live at a, a higher level of stress and we get used to that. And then when more things happen and we get overstressed, um, I think we might use the word burnout when really we're super stressed. So it's a chronic tiredness that isn't relieved by rest. Wow. I would say that would be what it the classical definition of yeah, it is. That's great. That's great. I we had used it, and I, sometimes when I listen to podcasts, and I just, they don't we don't define terms. It's good just to get it out there mm-hmm. before I because I'm mm-hmm. asking more questions about it. So I thought it'd be good just to, to, to yeah. ask that. Um, the other that you've mentioned about the expectations that we have for ourselves, and then um, and then sometimes I think. Um, yeah, when they don't have, when their expectations are not met um, for their self or maybe their expectations they have, but how God was, you shared about um, God would work um, through you before he worked in you. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we respond or how have you seen missionaries um, respond when their their expectations aren't met? I think there can be um, a disappointment, um, bitterness. You know, God, I thought this is what we were going to do and you're not doing it and becoming bitter at him. Um, jealousy of other people. Hmm. Um, when I when we were overseas um, in our first term and I heard of other people being fruitful, my second reaction was gratefulness and wow. thankfulness. My first reaction was, why isn't that me? Wow. You know, why can't I do like that? So just um, the sense of jealousy, of anger, hmm. you know. 
and being so caught up in what should be hmm. that we don't see God in the what is. Wow. You know, so coming to, um, I think eventually we come to a recognition that maybe our expectations are not in ourselves and not in what God wants. Hmm. And I used to have a picture in my prayer journal of at, at the bottom, there were four little crosses. And this represented um, the burial that I had for my expectations of my kids. I wow. wanted to have the perfect children. I wanted to be the perfect mother. I wanted, you know, all of these yeah. unrealistic expectations on what I wanted them to be able to do and be all that I never was. Mm. And I love how God created my kids. And so when I buried my expectations, it gave me this hope of what God was going to do in my kids. And I love seeing you know, 30 years down the road, how God has been at work in and through my kids. And, you know, not everybody has kids, right? But we all right. have expectations of what our life was going to be like. Hmm. And so sometimes I think we just need to have a burial of yeah. those and say, God, this is what I expected. This isn't what is, but what is it that you want? That's and just good. drawing near to God and really seeking his purposes for us and not our own puny plans compared to what he has planned. Yeah. For sure. And um, those expectations, I remember we, you know, we were going, we went to Burkina Faso. That was our first term, which is a country in West Africa. And, um, you know, I, I landed there and I'm obviously embarrassed to still admit it, but I landed there expecting, you know, I was going, everything was going to, I was going to have great ministry. And I ended up being sick for about the first 14 to 16 months with malaria. And, um, yeah, it just my expectations were totally different than um, I helped their medicals, helped their doctors with their, you know, make money because I was I was I went there to help people physically and ended up helping the doctors because I was paying bills because I was sick all the mm. time. And so those mm. un, unmet expectations and then, you know, led to frustration. And then you yeah. talk about um, I remember my good uh, spiritual father mentor came and he visited us and he said something about bitterness. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm concerned about becoming bitter. And he said, well, I think you're already there. You know what I mean? And so oh, wow. it just, mm -hmm. but the reality of those expectations that I had, that I placed on mm -hmm. myself, that I placed on God on how, and then in our mission, we itinerate. So meaning you go and speak in different churches and you, you project those expectations. This is what I'm going to go do. This is what the, we're going to do. And then mm -hmm. you get there and then you're not doing any of those, or at least I wasn't doing any of those things for the first, first 14, 16 months, man, it's tough. And, um, and their guilt least, comes in like this is sure. what people are supporting us for. Yeah. 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 And um, it was it, it, it was it weighed heavy on a 24 year old guy who thought he was, mm -hmm. you know, I became a lot more dependent on God. And uh, uh, that yeah. comes to what you're saying, the working um, through uh, working in me before he could work through me um, mm -hmm. and in that process. So, you know, one of the um, the other things you, you share uh, about is the role of a mission and the sending or an sending organization and how they can help um, set or, or plan for realistic expectations for the workers that are sending out. What role do you, can you share a little bit about the, the role of the sending agency or the mission or the church as they send out missionaries when it comes to expectations? Yeah, I think they have a huge role in training, you know, that pre-field training before people go out. And when, um, 
experienced missionaries share to make sure they're sharing stories of both the mundane and the miraculous. Because, you know, there's a lot of mundane that goes on overseas. We're still trying to get the laundry done, the cooking done, you know, all of that stuff. And there's no excitement in that, at least for me, there's not. Um, And I, you know, just hearing people who have experience saying, yeah, this is, it takes longer to live. It takes longer to cook, but God is still at work and can use you as you serve. And hearing those stories, and when you talk about team relationships, not just what a team should be, you know, the ideal picture, but what is it that teams struggle with? What is it that we can go in kind of knowing that we're going to have this storming and forming time in our teams? Um, I remember being really shocked that my kids went through culture shock. And I thought I remembered hearing that they would do fine if we didn't complain a lot or if we adapted well. Um, I don't remember, you know, maybe we did talk negatively. I don't remember doing that, but it was rough watching my kids experience culture stress. And, you know, I kind of felt guilty that it was our calling that exposed them to this. Um, I was underprepared Hmm. for for that experience. And so having some training in, these are some things that you might experience and not to make it um, not that it would seem easy, but I think sometimes in pre-field we're kind of listening, but it's so new to us that we don't really take it to heart. And then we experience and it's like, why didn't they train us in this? Well, they did. (laughs) I didn't hear it at the time. Yeah, for Um, sure. The other thing I think this is really key is to help workers know themselves Hmm. What are their gifts, their personalities, their strengths? And the more we know ourselves, I think the more we will be aware of what our contribution will be. Um, You know, when I picture success in ministry, fruitfulness in ministry, um, a lot of it was dealing with things that I'm not gifted in. Hmm. And so if I would have known myself better that, yeah, this is something, you know, in America, I can you know, share the seeds, I can plant seeds, I can share the gospel, but very rarely am I the person who leads the person to Jesus, which I have felt guilty about for years, you know, but yeah, you know, that's okay, because God has gifted me in other areas. And as long as I'm faithfully sharing, that's what God's called me to do. And then when I'm gifted in training or equipping, then do that and do it well and do it for his glory. But I think it would have saved a lot of hassle for me if I would have been more aware of what my giftings and my strengths were. That's good. That's really good. To come back to what you shared, mundane and miraculous. How Mm -hmm. have your years in in missions, how have you learned to, yeah, to walk through the mundane? Because that really sticks out to me. Obviously, you know, living in Africa, things take a lot longer and patience, Mm -hmm. but that's the mundane, but it's, it's part of living life. How have you learned to process that and, um, and walk through that, um, living overseas? Yeah, it's serving. Even when nobody, nobody sees it, it's serving for Jesus, right? Hmm. It's like when I do laundry for my kids or when I mop the floors, that is serving. And there is great value in serving. I see more value in planning a conference or in being a part of a big project. I'm like, now that's valuable. But 
you know, God doesn't see it that way. And so sometimes he uses us in those acts of service, of loving our families, of ministering to people who are in need and nobody sees it and yet God sees it. And so just taking opportunities to serve, whether people see value in it or not, but to know that when I do this, God's given me the health and the strength to be able to do it and to do it as good as I can yeah, and not to um, elevate one thing over another, just because more people see it or more people value it. It's just, God looks at the intentions and motives of our heart. And there's a great value in those acts of service that we do. Sure. And then you shared a, about being a mother and you said you had four, four children on the, how did you grow and mm-hmm. learn to process that is, is you're raising children on the field. Um, and uh, how did you grow an understanding of, of the act of, of serving the, your, your children and being their mother and the importance of that um, modeling uh, the love of Christ to them. Does that, does that make any sense at all? Yeah. I think um, when I first started out and we were trying to, you know, do language study and ministry, we tried to count like how many hours we were putting into that. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we would put it is, okay, how many hours are you putting into ministry? How much time are you spending with family? Hmm. And, I don't think we should separate those two. My ministry, I have ministry in my home and out of my home. So I began seeing my children more intentionally, right? This is an intentional thing. These children are my ministry and I'm going to raise them. I'm going to disciple them. I'm going to um, do all that I can. I'm going to be their biggest fans, no matter what struggles are going on in their lives. And how can I raise these four children in a way that honors God and to do everything I can humanly possible to um, help them come to know Jesus and seeing them grow up and um, come to know the Lord has been really one of the greatest delights of my life. But seeing my ministry in my home as a valued ministry and then also my ministry in the community is also valuable and not using one as an excuse for the other Hmm, that's good. Right. And trying yeah. to maintain that balance and yeah. making sure that I'm intentional in how I'm investing my time. That's good. That's very, very good and very powerful. And uh, I appreciate you, you, you sharing that because it, it really resonates with me. Um, mm. You share that um, about expectations and they were and how they relate to burnout. And um, and then you also share that one of the, the highest risks for burnout in the helping profession, which global workers would be in, um, is in the first five years. Have you, how does that correlate? How does that play out? And how have you seen that um, in your life and in your ministry? Well, I think everybody would agree that the first term is usually the hardest, yeah. right? Yeah, um, for sure. It's really amazing. Like the most prepared I ever felt for cross-cultural ministry was when I was on the plane on my way over for my first term. (laughs) And and had I realized that I would have savored the moment more, but um, you know, you hit the ground and everything's just crazy. And so I think the more we can be intentional about what our expectations are, the greater the possibility of staying. So I think a key ingredient here is communication. Hmm. And the more we can communicate with our future teammates, our future team leaders discussing expectations, the better. So one of the things I recommend for new workers is to sit down and to think through and write out 
what am I expecting of my sending agency? What am mm-hmm. I expecting of myself? What do I expect of my team, my sending church? What am I thinking the host culture is going to be like? And and actually, what do I expect of God? And this actually wasn't even a part of the research, but it kept coming up again yeah. and again. What am I expecting of God? And to actually write these things down and then to communicate about them. So, you know, if you're if you're in contact with your team leader and you say, you know, I'm kind of expecting somebody to meet me at the airport Hmm. and help me get where I'm going, you know? And then the team leader says, yes, we do this. We're expecting you to come. And and you start dialoguing and communicating about those things. And this is really key because you have some people who are very adventurous and they arrive on the field and they feel smothered if you care for them too much. It's true. And other people are like, I need somebody to hold. I can't even find the grocery store. Will you go with? And that was me, right? Yeah. Um, and so the more you communicate ahead of time, the more you know what your team's expecting, what you're expecting, and just communication about this is really, um, I can't overstress it. It's vital. Uh, that's great. And so if I hear you correctly, then you write the, a team member or a global worker going to the field, they write those down and then they begin to dialogue them with their team leader before they, before they ever hit yeah, the ground. Be- before arriving. And of course today it's great because you can actually Skype or zoom and, you know, you can see people and talk with them and interact more about it. Um, so not waiting until people arrive, but doing that ahead of time. And, and sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm just going to expect nothing and then I won't be disappointed. And we can't, we can't live like that because then you're expecting that you're going to expect nothing, but you really, <laughs> you really, you really do have expectations. We oh, just we need do. to be intentional and yeah. in recognizing what those are. Yeah, it's true. And uh, you're right. We can say that my father came to visit and I told him that don't expect anything coming. He said, I'm traveling a long way to expect nothing when I get there. So it was uh, <laughs> it's a long travel, travel trip to get from West Virginia to Madagascar. But I think, you're sharing about unconscious, unspoken, unrealistic, and un- unagreed upon expectations. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we, that's, you know, that's where a lot of the hurt feelings, the frustrations, the irritations, and the disappointments come in because, and the assumptions, you know, this is the way it'll be, and this is how it'll be cared for and not cared for. And, um, and as you shared, everybody's different. And if we can just have those yeah. conversations ahead of time, man, what a, what a difference it will, it will make. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your, your conversation. I remember I'm a, I was a nurse, um, a nurse by trade. And I remember mm-hmm. the, uh, the school telling us, you know, you need to give it a year or two um, before you make any decisions because, you know, those first year or two are going to be tough. And I thought, oh, come on, how, how tough can it be? Well, it was tough. <laughs> and um, yeah. the same, the same, the same in, in, in overseas, being a global worker, those mm-hmm. first three years are, are tough. And um, yeah. it was hard for me to find things to write a newsletter about. I can tell you that because it was mm-hmm. just a lot of lessons learned and lessons learned and lessons learned. So yeah. you also share in your book that, um, that if women are aware of signs of burnout, uh, that can help prevent it. Um, and so what are some of the common symptoms that you could share with women and, and men today when it comes to burnout and that we should be aware of some things that we might, um, might stick out to us? Uh, I think um, getting angry quickly, um, complaining more, less enjoyment of life, 
um, withdrawing from people when even extroverts kind of withdraw and need more alone time, a lack of desire, um, just a sense of apathy. Some people are more sleepy. Some people can't sleep. But there's this desire to escape and to just do things um, that are restful, that are more self Focus because we don't have the energy, you know, to go out and be with people. There's an overlying depression, um, those kind of things. Anytime we're um, just chronically tired. And one of the things the member care uh, director and Kristar has said when people are wondering if they're burnt out and there's just this chronic sense of tiredness, they said that take a two week vacation. And just relax, rest, do what refreshes you. And if after the end of two weeks, you're feeling a little better and you feel more revived, you were just really stressed and you needed a vacation. But if mm. you come back and you're just as tired as you were before, that's probably a good indicator that that might be burnout. And so wow. just, I like the two week test. And I don't think you can do that every month. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, at strategic times when you're feeling really stressed, I think that's a good uh, a good rule of thumb. And then also, I think being aware, being self-aware, like each person should know what what are their stress symptoms? You know, what are their energy levels? What um, how often have they been overextending boundaries? Yeah. You know, and I'm um, just being aware of what. You know, if I start being, you know, not being able to sleep well at night, there's something going on with me, you know, and so just each person being aware of what the symptoms are for them, because we all have kind of different things, but being self-aware is really uh, important for just knowing where we're at and how we're feeling and things like that. Do you have any um, advice maybe for a team member, um, uh, a team leader, when they begin to see maybe some of these signs um, in somebody that they're serving with or working with um, and they see some signs of burnout? Is there a way that you've seen that, that they can have a conversation to ask them? I know everybody's different and I, and I understand the uniqueness, but how, how can we begin a conversation with somebody if we're beginning to see some of the signs that you've just highlighted? Yeah. Hopefully there's um, open communication. Um, One of the things I love about team life is that we know each other well. Mm. And um, when I first arrived, I tried to keep a mask on, you know, that I had it all together, but that mask quickly fell. (laughs) (laughs) It was just too much going on. And I found that my teammates were very supportive and understanding and caring. But I think a team leader taking the initiative say, hey, I've noticed that you have been um, not wanting to attend team meetings or you're not doing this. How are you feeling? Hmm. You know, how can I help you? And just really showing a lot of care and asking good questions. And one of the best gifts that we can give our teammates is to listen, Hmm. to listen to what they're saying, to care enough to not, um, you know, if you ask somebody, how are you doing? Well, I'm feeling really stressed because of this. Oh, I know what you mean. I'm feeling stressed. No, sit down, listen, and make the focus all on the other person. Yeah. And to encourage them, if you see, you know, um, like a danger, like it seems like they're not doing well at all, is to call in professional help or to call in your member care coordinator with your mission agency. But just really going, not waiting too long. Right. We want to catch people before 
burnout, you know, to, so to be, to know what's going on in their lives, to ask good questions, to listen well, and to take the initiative saying, you know, I really think you could use more help than I'm able to give you. Would you be willing to talk to a member care provider? So being proactive is so important. And then for a team member to be able to go to their team leader and say, this is where I'm struggling. You know, the the communication going both ways, but just that uh, willingness to ask questions and to listen well. Yeah, it's good. That takes courage on both the person that maybe is feeling the symptoms of burnout and for the leader. How, How do we... How does somebody, because you've talked about if we can recognize the symptoms that we can prevent it, where do we find or how do we find the courage to have those conversations? Um, Because I think that some, it comes back to your whole premise of the whole book is expectations. And sometimes expectations are missionaries, we're tough, we're rough, and, uh, you know, we don't, we're pioneers and we don't necessarily need anybody. But that takes a lot of courage to say, hey, this is how I'm feeling and this is mm-hmm. what's going on. And um, the recognition that, you know, we're not all of the, would you say Betty Crocker, James, Dr. Dobson? <laughs> we're not all. We're Billy not Graham, all, yeah. That's right. We're not all those people wrapped up in one. So how do we find that courage? Maybe there's somebody listening today and um, and they're, this has really resonated with them. What encouragement would you have for them to 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 step out and have those conversa- that conversation with their team leader or someone that they trust? Mm-hmm. I think recognizing that we are clay pots yeah. that that God made us to um, know Him and to let His power be the one that's at work in us, and we don't have to do it on our own. And that's why God put us in the body of Christ. He made us family. And recognizing that I don't have to be strong and I yeah. can, I can need other people and that's okay. And um, I love that verse in Philippians four thirteen where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens mm. me. But mm. the very next verse says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my struggle. Wow. Wait, that might not be right, but the next look, <laughs> I have to look it up. But the whole, the next verse was about helping one another. Yeah. And so I think teams who meet together, who are vulnerable, who are sharing the deep needs of their hearts. um, And if you don't have that to seek to find it somewhere, but having a safe person to talk to and team would be a natural place to find that. And each time meeting together, having a time of sharing where we're struggling and how we can be praying for one another and building that maskless vulnerable. This is who I am. This is where I struggle. Y'all probably knew this before me, but I just want to get it out there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's why we're in the body of Christ is so that we can help with another. And it's uh, just actually a a sign of foolishness, not to admit our weakness. That's good. Very, very good. And as you talked and you shared, um, it just made me think, and I'm probably people are smarter than me, but to have that person, you talked about clarifying expectations ahead of time before you get to the field, you know, it'd probably be very good to have somebody that you know that you could turn to to have these conversations um, before you hit the field too, because mm-hmm. it's, I, I couldn't say it's inevitable, but it's, there's a high percentage that we're, 
going to run into a wall, at least in that first term. And to know that you have that person already predetermined and predecided who you're going to go be able to turn to and, and talk to. Would be and valuable. some teams are proactive in that they have like a team mentor or yeah. a person who's in charge of your orientation. And the more, you know, we have that relationship built before the people arrive, the stronger that relationship's going to be. That's good. Very, very good. Well, Sue, I have loved spending time with you today, and um, it has been a pleasure. I will put um, in the show notes um, links um, to the book, and so people can download the book. Uh, most people are listening to this overseas. I don't know if they can get a hard copy, but they can surely download it. That's how I did it um, yeah, on well, yeah. Kindle. And um, But we end, it, end the podcast in prayer. And so would you pray um, for the listeners and pray for us that we'll, we'll take the wisdom and insight and knowledge that you've shared today about expectations and burnout and, um, and, and put it into action so that um, we can continue to serve um, and, and, and follow the calling that God has placed in each of us. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Father God, I thank you so much for um, just the gifts and abilities you've given each one listening. I thank you for putting us in your body, for adopting us as your children, and that we can help one another, we can love one another. I thank you that your Holy Spirit indwells us and empowers us. And I pray that as we seek to serve you well, that we would depend upon you, that we would be wise, that we would know ourselves, that we would know you. I pray for grace in relationships. I pray for the ability to just share where we're struggling. And I thank you that help is available. And I pray that you would give each one of us wisdom to walk with you, to serve you and that we would bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, who has done so much for us. And we ask this in his mighty name. Amen. Amen.